You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. All right, welcome back. You're listening to a brand new theater podcast brought to you by Broadway Black. Follow Broadway Black on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and stay in the know. It's the place to look when the theater goes dark. This episode was recorded on Monday, January 18th, MLK Day. So you know next week we'll have tons more hot topics to discuss. Until then, hit your mark and join us as we go off book just for you with our special guest, Tony Award winner, Tanya Pinkins. in her songs Acts. and you see it all on her face it's so clear these transitions oh my goodness okay i we, she's yeah a communicator. i can't wait to have her okay so today welcome to off book this is andrew shade this is farrah lopez this is donye love and you're listening to the new amazing podcast for theater Woo! off book so and today we're gonna have uh tanya pinkins on the show yes like tanya pinkins tanya yes. pinkins I still can't we're, believe we're it. I'm so up. excited. I'm, no, listen, we're moving on up. We're moving on up. <laughs> moving on up. <laughs> no, I'm excited. Like I've I've been talking about. I think every week I say that Carolina Change is my yes. favorite musical. Yes, among and many others. Maybe I'm, every I'm, hour. I mean, it just literally is just everything. And I'm going to say it again when she gets here. So Absolutely. we'll 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 talk more about that once we once we get to that. But man, so much has happened this particular week too. Like Woo. the last time we talked, we were we were doing talking about Golden Globes, and next thing you know, the nominations for the, the Oscars, Oscars and things have come yeah. out, and and you know so much has happened with with the people that are involved with that particular uh, thing. Shout out to April Rain. I think we'll just we'll just start there. April Rain, who is the yeah. managing editor of Broadway Black. Come on, she has been working with us for about a year now, and she is the creator of Oscars So White, White. the hashtag, so which is so doing, real, which is so, so real, real, right? And she's been doing like a, a major press tour. Of, of talking about and and getting the exposure out there of what it means. Thank you, April. About. Right. Thank, Thank you, April. So much, April. Um, so I, I just love her to death, and just shout out to her for doing that, and just what's happening with the nominations. Like, how is it two years in a row now? Yeah, where and so it, it, it all the nominations are are completely can, Caucasian. Yeah, just completely whitewashed, and it feels like this has been forever, but now we're just so glaringly in your face. 
like last year and then this year. And this year there were so many amazing uh films that were out there. I think about Straight Out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. With actors like Corey Hawkins. Corey Hawkins. Who was in Romeo and Julia in 2013. Yes. Who was in the signature theater's production. You didn't didn't do your voice. You're not doing the voice. voice. You have to do the back. Corey Hawkins, he was in the production of 2013, uh, Romeo and Juliet with Condola Rashad and Orlando Bloom. Is that my voice or your voice? Well, you have to do the voice if you're going to do the educational portion. Oh, I didn't know that that was like like a a thing. Oh, so that's it. It's It's the educational educational voice. Okay. You have to go to the NPR. Okay, how about this? Let me try again. And so then I also think about Creed (laughs) and I think about Tessa Thompson. Yes. And I think about her now being in Smart People at a second stage. Mm-hmm. And I think about Felicia Rashad. Yes. yes. Who was in so many things. So Raising the Sun, Gem of the Ocean. She's going to be in yep. Terrell Alvin McCraney's production of Head of Passes at yeah. the Public Theater. So I just think about all of these amazing actors of color who have been overlooked. And who constantly, at least within these institutions, get overlooked. So yeah. the necessary Oscar So White that April created is needed to talk about these things. And why do these things constantly happen when there's so many amazing actors? And I think one of the main things she talks about is uh, something that, you know, Dominique Mariso talked about when she was here for the very first episode. Writing our stories, creating yes. the stories that we have to be able to give powerful performances. If, if we don't have the stories that represent us then there are no awards to give us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big thing as well. Not saying that there aren't performances this year that are not, that are not worthy of, you know, accolades or recognition or, um, you know, attention at all, because there are definitely several, you just mentioned several of them. I mean, right. there's also, you know, Idris Elba. Beasts of no nation. Yes. That was phenomenal. The little boy in that, like, yeah. I want to see him on the stage. I want to see him Live and I heard they pull him straight off, off the, street. the street. That's what I'm saying. And he beasted it out. Beasted right. it out. Talk about it. And so, yes. And in terms of what Dominique mentioned, and it makes me think of going back to Creed, Ryan Coogler, who was the writer and director of that. Absolutely nothing. But Sylvester Stallone right. gets nominated. So let's that. go into the whole this morning, I believe um, Spike Lee released a statement basically stating that he was boycotting the Oscars. Oscars. Yeah. Well, I'm not I mean, mad at you, Spike. Oh, I'm not mad either. I'm and not also, mad at you, Spike. Jada Pinkett Jada Smith, B. She also yeah, who, who was morning. the producer of Fela with Will Smith yeah, yes. and Jay-Z. <laughs> Come she on, was boys. That's one of my favorite musicals. Um, <laughs> Fela is, is everything, right? I love Fela. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah. And the, the original Fela is in Dominique Mariso's show, as the dancer in oh, Skeleton Crew. Really? Uh, he is. Not like I didn't have I needed a reason, but now I'm really gonna go. Oh, <laughs> he, he, he sort of puts together the the <laughs> <laughs> She meant that. She Fine. meant that. <laughs> <laughs> like you gotta put that in there. I'm to go now. But yeah. going back to Spike Lee. Spike Lee is boycotting the Oscars over lack of diversity. Um, he posted on Instagram, um, that he means no disrespect to his friends, host Chris Chris Rock, producer Reggie Hudlin, uh, Academy Award President Cheryl Boone Isaacs, you know. But how is it possible for the second consecutive year all twenty contenders under the actor category are white? Lee wrote, uh, it, and let's not even get into the Oscar branches. Forty white actors in two years and no flavor at all. We can't act. What the fuck is pretty much what he's saying. 
Um, and what he said, it just said WTF. <laughs> um, none of the nominees for best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, or best supporting actress are black or performers of any color. They're all white, like we said, whitewashed. Um, quoting Dr. King, Lee wrote, there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe nor politic nor popular, but he must take it because conscience tells him it's right. And I yes. think we're all in that. We're yes. all in that. That He's thing. correct. Jada Pinkett in the video that she released this morning stated the same thing and mm-hmm. how she's not going to watch. She said, no disrespect to Chris. And she knows that Chris Rock, who is hosting, will be doing an amazing job, but she's not going to watch it for that. And she took it a step further, but also saying that we need to piggyback off of what you were talking about with Dominique. We need to create our own. Mm-hmm. We, need we need to, to write, direct, produce our own stories because we have so much power as people of color as black people and we need to really go forward and take action with the power that we have absolutely definitely and you know going back to to what jada jada also made a statement um at the oscars people of color are always welcome to give out awards even entertain Mm. but we're really recognized should people of color refrain from participating altogether people can only treat us in the way we in which we allow yes with much respect in the midst of deep disappointment jay Yes, um, is what she wrote. So I think that's really powerful. Um, powerful. We're always asked to perform. They we, we they love for us to you know coon and dance, yeah. and, uh, show out and show up. Show but then when it up. comes to what we're capable of, our worth, our talents, crickets, right? Well, I mean, it really boils down to what they think of us. Because when you think about the 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 winners that have won Academy Awards, it's been in degrading places. It's been slavery. It's been um, you know, the subordinate roles, right? Some like the, the exactly, right? Yeah. Domestic, overly sexualized roles, overly sexualized. Halle Berry, exactly. With where her. I was going yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Hello, what? yay! We are so. Oh my goodness, I am like yay. so geek. I can't stop smiling now. Oh my goodness. So Tanya Pinkins just walked in. Miss Pinkins, I've known you and I keep calling you Miss Pinkins and I hope that's okay. Um, but I've I've I met you three years ago at our very first event for Broadway Black. Like something we were, were I was new to the city, had just got invited to a reading of Intimate Apparel. Uh, it was with you and and with um, Quincy Tyler Bernstein and Condola Rashad and Joshua Henry, and it was like, oh my gosh, I am like, I am <laughs> freaking out because, like, I've I've been saying on the show for weeks that Carolina Change has been my favorite musical forever, and I came up to you that night and I told you and I said, Miss Pinkett, I am so honored to meet you because Carolina Change is my favorite musical. You changed my life, and I just been following you for so many years, and you just looked at me with the same smile that you look at me now, <laughs> and you looked at me and you said, what is your name? And I told you my name and you said, come with me. And you grabbed me by the hand and we went across the street and we had dinner. And I met with your friend who created the oh. Cheetah Girls and she changed, literally changed my life. Oh, wow. Let me know that it was possible that to have a place here in this community. How that was possible that? For, for Broadway Black to survive. And, and, and me, a little old nobody from small town in Indiana, that I had a place at the table. Mm-hmm. That there was a place for me and my voice and, and for me to experience this community. And I, don't, I just want to thank you for that. I don't think I've ever really told you, but every time I see you, I'm just like always like, oh my God, it's oh, Tanya Higgins. So thank you so much for, for joining us and thank you for that moment for changing the course of my life because I, I was literally just moving here and didn't know what I was going to do. And Broadway Black was just a small um dot on my mm-hmm. map. 
Um, and so, yeah, so I'm just excited to to have you here. And I'm also excited to talk about just a lot of different things. You've, you have a legacy of great performances on the stage and on the screen. But, you know, most of your work has been on stage. Is there a reason for that? Like the, why, the reason why you've pursued more? Yeah, speaking I of the Oscars and things. The theater. Yeah. There's just nothing like being on the theater and working with great actors and having an audience there. There's, I always say it's like sex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've oh never gosh. heard that. I've before, never heard right? that either, but that's good. I'm not mad at it. I'm, because I sort of feel the same way. That's right. why I'm so passionate about it. There's yeah. passion mm-hmm. on the stage. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, your career over, over decades. Um, I've been working professionally since I'm, I would say it's over four decades. Four, oh my goodness. <laughs> it spans. It spans. I'm, look, I'm thinking like, wait. I um, did my first Broadway show in 1981. Wow. Oh, okay. So that's yes, because I remember coming to I remember seeing you in a cabaret mm-hmm. and you talked about the letter that the, the to Hal Prince. How Prince wrote you. And what was that I wrote the, to him. What was the name of the musical? Uh, uh, Merrily We Roll Along. Merrily We Roll Along. And so what the letter you wrote to him was about It was like a pep talk to cheer him up because he had had the biggest flop of his career, uh, basically with Merrily We Roll Along. Yeah. It's kind of funny to read that and here I am 19 trying to tell him, Don't worry. You know, Merrily <laughs> will will have its day. It's ahead of its time. Yes. <laughs> Opinionated. Like, here you go. You know, let me encourage you. Right. That's so beautiful. I and necessary. That. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um from your very first Broadway show up into my favorite musical, Carolina Change, um, you you won a Tony with In Between there with Jelly's yes. Last Jam. Really, that was that's a staple black musical now. You know, 20 years later from that, how, how was it at that time to, did you realize it was going to be such a, a big deal? Or I had such absolutely no idea. It was um, an unusual experience for me in that um, George C. Wolf is, you know, one of my dearest, dearest friends, and he's my biggest collaborator. We've done six or seven projects together so far. But um, at the time, I didn't know anything about Jelly's Last Jam. I had right. he had asked me to replace someone in his Caucasian chalk circle with masks at the public. Mm. And while we were in performance, um, he said, "Yeah, I want you to audition for something." Didn't know what it was. Went to someone's house did an audition. They asked me to come back again the next day. And all I saw were these little sides of one scene. I had not read a script. And um, then they were like, yep, we want you to do the show. And it leave, you have to leave on Monday to go to California to do it at wow. the taper. Oh, and I oh, a, my God. Wow. oh my goodness. I was a nursing and uh, I think my son was about nine months old then. And I had a two and a half year old and I didn't read the script until I was on my way on the plane. Wow. wow. And, and then when I read it, for me, it felt like so much more than just the scene that I read, which was a lot of laugh flow. And I was like, wow, I've only ever played like ingenues. Mm-hmm. This is a woman. Mm-hmm. Like I know this woman in my family, but I've never gotten to play this woman and so I, I came to rehearsal and I had a lot of just fear inside of myself of whether I was up to the task. And unbeknownst to me, I learned sort of uh, when I got there that this company had been working together for some time. Oh, my goodness. And that one of the oh, actresses, a wonderful, wonderful performer named Patty Holly, that she had been playing the role prior to my coming. And oh. now she was one of the honeys. 
Wow. Wow. So it was there was the awkwardness of being mm-hmm. a new girl in the room, and then the person who I'm replacing is in the room. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. And I was terrified. And I was actually feeling like there was something I needed to do in this that I'd never done and I didn't know that I could do. So I kind of did nothing for the whole rehearsal process. (laughs) But at home, I would be practicing all the stuff I was going to do. But when I would get to rehearsal, I would just like kind of go through the motions because I was I was waiting for the run through. Because I felt like if I tried something and they said, oh, no, it would scare me and I wouldn't keep trying. Uh But at home, I had it worked out. (laughs) Going on. I knew what I was going to do when I got to a run through where nobody was going to stop me. Right. Uh So what is her name? Mary Bond Davis was in the show. And Mary Bond Davis was having a cabaret concert in Hollywood Mm -hmm. the night before the the first run through that we were going to have. And. George Wolf and I both drove into the parking lot at the same time. Now, it wasn't until, gosh, maybe five years ago that he told me when we were talking about this very story, he said, I had decided to fire you. But when our cars both drove into the parking lot, I took it as a sign that I should at least let you do the run through. Oh, look at that. What? And so, um, (laughs) you know, I knew everybody just was like, why is she even here? And then I did the run through and I did everything I'd been dreaming about and practicing at home. And it was like everybody in the room was mad because <laughs> uh. <laughs> they were just sure I was incapable of anything. And then it was like, Oh, what is this? This force. And, um, and then, you know, <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. I love that smile at the end. But that's sort of how you've taken the business by storm in a way of sort of just being in a way reserved and just coming out of nowhere and just being this force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And that's thank what you, you do, I think, every single time you get oh, on the you. stage. You, you. you see people sort of underestimate what you deliver in yeah. each role that you Yeah, you I do. think one of the best compliments someone ever gave me, um, and it was told to me by someone else, they said that that someone was talking about doing a show with me, and I left the show. And they said, you know that Tanya Pinkins? She is like hanging out backstage, being silly on stage. She doesn't even look like she's doing anything. And then when she left the show, I was like, oh, she was the show. Uh, so let's, let's, show. Let's, let's get into that, too. This was a different show yeah. that you left. This was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, so currently you, you left the uh, classic stage company's uh, Mother Courage. Yes. A, a classic show with a different take on it this particular time. Yes. And just... Let's let's just dive into that. Let's, okay. I know that's a, a heavy. It's a, not heavy for me. Oh, okay. Oh, there it is. Oh, uh, alrighty. I'm freaking love alrighty. it. Alrighty. I do too right. because I feel like there it is. it's not heavy for me. It may be heavy for you. It's not for me. Nah, I love Say it. Okay. Um, yeah. Sure. So let's just let's let's just talk about just just jumping right into it. You you wrote a letter. Just can you just explain to our audience or those who don't know exactly what happened. In your own words, what happened with why you left the show? Well, I mean, that's not just a singular thing. Mm-hmm. That's a, an accumulation of events over a long period of time. Um, and even the 
to there being a letter that even that's its own long story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But um, I was approached to do the show in March of last year. And I was told that they were going to uh, set Mother Courage in the Congo um, because Lynn Nottage had thought of doing that once. And she then went on to write the Pulitzer Prize Ring Ruined, and they were going to do that. And so we had a series of conversations over the next, um, what is it, five or six months. And I was treated like a collaborator from the very beginning. I was asked for suggestions for designers. I was at every audition. There were certain people who I was like, hire that one, hire that one. Um, So that's that's how it, you know, Mm -hmm. I was a collaborator. Um, I was first given Tony Kushner's draft, then I was given this edited draft. And, you know, you, you asked me when you emailed me about Black Perspectives Matter, one of the things I wanted to say about that is Black people usually only share their perspectives with other Black people. Mm. We very okay. rarely share them in the room with white people. Right. Because it's dangerous. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. it, is. it is dangerous. So, you know, I was handed a script that wasn't going to work for me, but how do you say that to your director who's right. done the script? And so I thought the best solution was to say, why don't we get a different person to write it? Mm. And so I know negotiations started with Brandon Jacob Jenkins, who, okay. you know, I had just done war with him at Yale and he had given me a copy in German of Mother Courage. So I knew it was an important show to him. Yeah. And so great. We're going to get Brandon Jacob Jenkins to do it. And then those nego- negotiations fell through because the signature, he's in that five year signature. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. And right. so he couldn't do it. Okay. And so, you know, we've got time and I'm shooting other things, but I'm still actively right. How am I going to solve this? And so then it came to me, Eve, even Eve, actually, even I ran into each other in Morocco this summer. Eve Ensler was in Morocco. I was in Morocco with Kim Crenshaw. I don't know if she started, you know, intersectionality mm-hmm. and my friend Melissa. And we were all in SOR in Morocco hanging out. And she was telling me about the first time she saw Mother Courage and her love of Mother Courage and that it was her favorite play. And then I was like, Eve's the one. Mm-hmm. So I went back and I said, Eve Ensler. And so as far as I knew, the negotiations began to, and this is in uh, like June or July. Okay. We're not even going to start till November. Right. So negotiations began to, to get Eve. And then this was exciting because Eve runs the city of joy in the Congo which is a, a, a residence that they give uh, women because most of the women in the Congo have been raped. There are whole villages where every woman and child has been raped. Mm-hmm. It is the rape capital of the world. 15,000 women reported last year raped. Wow. And the rapes are so brutal that women are often just, they can't function anymore. Their legs, their pelvises are broken. Wow. Um, so I thought this is an opportunity to, 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 to let people remember that the Congo is there because it's not on the news. It's not. it's not on the news. And this is every day. And the result of it is because we like our electronic devices. And I love my electronic devices. Colton, it only is found two places in the world. And the predominant place is the Congo. And people kill. They kill for that. And, and the rape and murders are specifically concentrated around these mines and these mines are all owned by foreign multinational corporations. Wow. Goodness. Different countries own different mines and they don't pay much money to the workers, but they give them guns. So they have no money, but they've got these guns and the only way they're going to support themselves is to go out and rape and pillage from the villagers. 
And so the thought of being able to do this show and bring attention to that was like, this is, this is, is important. Yeah, and so we had lots of conversations about, um, the program notes and having something from city of written from, you know, people who are there for this, cause they have a, an upcoming documentary that they've been making about it and donor direct action, which is an aid organization that is 90% of your money goes directly to any woman you want in the world and having things in the program. So I'm thinking I'm coming into a production where, we're not going, we're, we're going to do some activism and we're going to bring attention to right. an issue in the world. We're going to get a writer who's on the ground there. And this sounded like a very exciting, um, an opportunity. Right. Where yeah. art was able to meet activism. Art and activism. Oh they were married. Yeah. Right? yeah. And you're all about it because I, like I, I said before, it. you're all about, you know, yeah. just justice and, and, you know, black lives matter and, and just being, the voice being a voice, but for everybody, it's not mm -hmm. just for black, yeah. but it's for women, right. for, you know, anybody that's the underdog, the yeah. downtrodden people in the world, which, what did they say today? 1% of the wealth, 1% of the people in the world own more wealth than the rest of us. Hmm. Correct. Wow. That's crazy. So you, so you explained your departure from mother courage in this letter. Mm -hmm. And after you did that, there were a lot of responses. A yes, lot of I didn't read them all, but I do have people collecting them. And yes, I did see a few. I people were saying I was mentally ill. Well, that's what I was going to say. What do you um, think about the people that are that are saying that you're you know uh, perpetuating the stereotype of an angry black woman? Well, I guess what I would say is who created that stereotype, and if I'm perpetuating it, what's wrong with a black woman being angry? We have a lot of things to be angry about mm. from being bred to have babies in Virginia and being sold or killed when we didn't produce enough babies for people to sell so that they could have free labor. We have a lot to be angry mm. about. We have generations of it and there's still not been restitution or reparation. And now we have this denial of the history of what this country was founded on. We have a lot to be angry about. So I'm fine with that. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. You spoke it. You spoke because it. listen, like Miss Pinkett, you know, like I didn't know how we were going. I didn't know how we were going to come in here and, and really talk about this because it it sort of is. It's it's heavy for someone that is not of your caliber. I believe you know people that are young performers. I hear people talk about this particular issue, and it's like, oh, we can't really talk about this because you know we might not be able to work next week, or we might not be able to. Mm -hmm. Well, that's true. You know, it's it's want to remain safe. Yeah, I want to yeah. be safe, and that's it's sort okay. of. You don't feel any of that. Of course. And at different times in your life, you're driven by different things. Yes. As a young person starting out, yeah, you got to make connections. You got to get in the room. But, you know, I'm on the other side of 50. I'm right. thinking about legacy. I have four adult children. I'm, I don't, you know, a lot of people are checking out. Uh, tomorrow's not promised. So I'm thinking about what did I leave? Right. You know, what did I leave? What if I, what if I, I'm gone tomorrow. Did I, did I do everything I could do? Did I say everything I needed to say? So I don't expect that of a 20 year old. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. In Mother Courage, you spoke a lot about misogyny that was happening, um, not just with Brian Kulik um, and, and seeing us through, seeing our experience through the white gaze, but also the misogyny that you were dealing with, with your fellow actors and your directors, do you feel that our men are not also stepping up to speak up for us as black women in theater? 
I think that, you know, Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw and the African-American Policy Forum addressed this a lot um, in the whole hashtag Black Women Matter, Black Girls Matter, that we see it in our nation. Um, I love President Obama, but all of the initiatives are to help black men. There are no initiatives for black girls. Even the Educate Girls initiative is for girls outside of the United States. And black women, uh, everything that happens to black men it not only happens to black women, but it happens to us at a disproportionately higher rate. Absolutely. We are suffering at higher rates than black men, and we don't get the attention. And our men don't often come to bat for us. Black women get killed by the police, and black women get killed by the police in their homes. So I think calling attention to black women and how important our needs are, because, you know, I said... This, this country's been built on a lot of black vaginas. We, they bred us for the free labor, and they worked us in their homes, and now the median wealth for a black woman uh, is $100. Hmm. Median wealth for a black woman is $100. For a black man, it's 8000 For a white woman, it's 42000 And for a white man, it's six figures plus. Right. $100. That's the median wealth for a black woman in America. That's so unbelievable. That is crazy. Yeah. I feel called to bring attention to yes. what's going on. And then you think about all these women. Some people are like, oh, he was sleeping with all these white women. You know, some of my friends are the women who have come to speak about what Cosby did. So those are stories I was carrying for decades, mm-hmm. you know, True. keeping secrets of my friends and in keeping secrets and in trying to protect the black man and the legacy. We allowed probably hundreds of women. Mm-hmm. to be raped and traumatized wow. because we want to protect our black men and women always want to protect our black women. They're our sons. Correct. They're our brothers. You know, they come through us. We want to protect them, but who's protecting us? Right. It makes me think of black lives matter and how black lives matter founded by women, black women. of color. That's right. Black always been on the front line, always pushing and advocating for so many. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of, of strong black women, your character, Jacqueline in Rashida speaking, was a, a representation of that, I do believe. Through the white gaze. Yes, through, through the white gaze. Okay, so let's talk about that experience as well, because you said that that was a soul-murdering yes. production to be a part of. Yeah. Why? Why was that? Because, I mean, to me, that spoke. I, I watched it several times, especially because it was on PBS. You can catch it on PBS. It, it just, it was a great play to me. And it was, mm. it was sort of the experience of Black people working in a white environment, in a white office space. I think that, that, that Joel Drake Johnson got a lot of truth in that play. And there were no good guys. So right. in that, I, I, I applaud him. And I think that he struck a nerve. And I um, was able to do a lot of activism around that play. So I had Michael Eric Dyson in there. I had Kimberly Crenshaw. I had James Patterson. I had Terry Williams. I brought the folks in and 90% or more of the audience stayed for every talk back. Mm-hmm. And they would have stayed for hours because it's a conversation people want to mm-hmm. have. So that one, I stayed because I actually could see lives changing. I People would come up to me and say they made friends with someone from the other race and had a conversation because they needed to talk. So... The sacrifice of that was worth it because I could see that change was happening in the world. Um, at Mother Courage, none of the things we talked about in terms of the program notes and the all that, none of it happened. 
Mm. And the reason that was given to me, what it would just didn't even make any sense. So the whole activism aspect of it beyond even the production value aspect of it wasn't there. There was not going to be an opportunity to, to transform lives really, which for me is why I do theater. It's, it's like a ministry for me. I like that. Analogy. Had, had that been there, yeah. I might've put up with a lot because I'd survived for she speaking. And that was really, <laughs> um, <laughs> But there was there was nothing for me that I could recommend or or felt of value, and and I include my own work. I I, I felt terrible, and and I realized that my bad is most people's great. So I'm sure people came and saw me and thought I was wonderful. Does that invalidate the fact that I know what I could have been? Yeah, and so I, I I'm not gonna you know smush myself into a little box because you think the little box is good. <laughs> when I know better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's a lot of what Carolina change is about a woman who was smushed into this box. George used to say, Caroline could probably run a small country, but all she could be in the world is a maid. And Mm -hmm. so there's lots wife, you know, what happens when all that power is, is suppressed. And that was Mm. the feeling of being in mother courage. Like, you know what, I'm not getting sick to do your show. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. 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 There are so many, individuals, uh, myself included, friends of mine, who have been looking at what's been taking place and appreciating you not being silenced and you using your voice. And we talk about your art, which is amazing. And now we're talking about your activism, which is phenomenal. My question is for the individuals out there now who feel like they're being silenced, whether it's in certain programs at school, Mm -hmm. whether it is in the actual profession right now, Mm -hmm. what would you say to those individuals and how have you navigated being the only person of color in certain spaces? It's different all the time. Um, and it's tricky and, you know, I've done it different different ways and different rooms. And certainly if I've had an explosion, you know, the last time I might be a little easier the next time. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a constant navigation. Um, and I'm lucky because I've worked with George Seawolf six times. Mm, So that's the bulk of my career. Mm -hmm. So I've had such opportunities where someone gave me the, the platform to shine that I have that to have filled me up and nourished me. Right. So I know what that is. So when I go into other rooms, I know when it's not there. And, you know, if you haven't had the opportunity to work with someone who has nurtured you and supported you, if you have grown up and been educated under the white gaze, how do you even know what your true power is? I mean, so many times I go see black American artists on stage and it's like, we got so much power in that. They just don't came them all down, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's a soul journey. You know, how do you even find out what you are capable of when you've got the white gaze telling you, oh, that's good. You know, I, I, I was teaching at Yale last winter and I had this student come in and his, everybody in the class and they were a great class and they're very supportive of each other. And they were, you know, really supporting him and doing what for me was some shucking and jiving. And, um, and I just had to stop him and say, you know what, you can do more than that. And you know what, you will get a lot of jobs doing that. They will hire you a lot of times, but you are more. And there's a whole lot of people depending on you to be more. Mm -hmm. And the young man, he, you know, got really weepy and 
you know, but also he's very spiritual and very religious. And so he heard me and he got it. And then the next work he did just came from another place. Wow. That's but I, I worry about our kids in these schools because there are just also very few black professors in the top mm-hmm. universities. Oh my we God. We talked about that. Yeah, our absolutely. students are, are, are being misled. That's true. They're being misled because, you know, they don't see us. They don't know us. They don't understand what is in us because right. it's not in them. Right. It's not. They right. don't know what that is. They don't know what to do with it. And there are some who do. You know, you have an Estelle Parsons, a, a Stella Adler, a Michael Bennett, mm. you know, people who like recognize and prize the power and energy that is in people who are um, people of the earth, really. Right. That connection we have, the melanin is a neurotransmitter that connects us mm-hmm. to all things. And so we feel all things and all things mm-hmm. flow through us Come in a way that their culture right. is a culture about suppressing all of that. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh my God. God. That was a word. Don't, I can't even. That, was a that might be my ringtone. Like, that's just, that's <laughs> that amazing. Yeah. Yes. yes, thank we, you. Our, our, I don't even have anything. I don't even our know what to say. Our whole mind has just been blown because that is definitely the the experience of living and working underneath a, a white gaze. And then how do you get? How do you get from underneath that? How do you? How do you challenge that? How do you? Well, I think counter that. You know, the fire at this time. Forty eight hours in Harlem. Mm-hmm. We're starting to produce our own work, and you go and you see it, and it's wonderful. And I think the scary thing is. We always, all of us, myself included, we want to fit into the big thing. We want to get the awards. We want to be accepted. And I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer because I was fortunate enough that I was picked very early and sort of anointed and brought into that circle. So the trying to get in part, I didn't really have. So, but the young people that I've worked with, like Adrienne Seymour, we did uh, Milk Like Sugar together. Mm-hmm. She didn't have an agent. She came out of the new school. She had She's no agent. She's on Orange is the New Black. That yes. is correct. No agent. She was going to open calls. She is a fierce, powerful woman, and mm-hmm. she just does it, and she doesn't make any apologies for that. So I know that it's possible. Nakia Mathis was in that movie, and she's also in Skeleton Crew, which she's extraordinary. Yes. She is um, amazing. Yeah. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many more opportunities. I think there was 200 and something scripted shows last year. This year, there's 400 and something. So there's more opportunities with more outlets, more content. They're looking for content. As the audience becomes global, they have to find what are these other people that we've never paid attention to? What is going to interest them? So I think there's more opportunity than there ever was. This season alone, the number of black shows, Man. familiar, Barbecue, Eclipse, Skeleton Crew, The Mother a Courage. Growing, it's, growing. It's, an, it's amazing. Wonderful things are, are happening. happening. Yeah. You know, we are evolving. Things are changing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And so that leads me to my uh, next question, which you have been talking about and speaking on, is with you now starting to help and create and add to the conversation of racism and privilege and elitism and misogyny and sexism that's taking place in theater. What is it that you're doing to eradicate and combat that? And what do you think we can do as a general society to eradicate and combat that? I think that's different for everybody. I think it depends on, you know, what room you're in. Speaking to it is always the first thing. But I think for a lot of us, we don't even recognize it. 
you know, when everything is just, you're so used to it and you're so accustomed to it and, you know, everybody gets patted on the butt or something. And that just, you know, I think that we have to first just get really clear in ourself of what is acceptable behavior right. and what is the acceptable behavior we want for ourselves and for other people. And being the witness and speaking to one's not, we may not speak to the authority person, but we can certainly go speak to the person who we witness go through something and say, I saw that. Right. So that they get validated and they get acknowledged and maybe that'll give them the strength to speak up for themselves. Um, but I think that that's the beginning when we actually can recognize it and allow ourselves to feel how really awful it feels. Like who wants to feel awful? And then you got to keep going to work every day. Mm-hmm. Right. But until we can actually feel it and, and, and be present with how bad that is, that's the kind of internal pressure that will lead us to taking an action because the pressure inside will be too great to, uh, that we'll have to, we'll have to do something to relieve our own inner pressure. Right. Absolutely. Cool. So I wanted to jump into some questions that we have from some listeners of off book. So the first question is a general question of how do you stay motivated? And it's from Kiari Andrews. How do you stay motivated? To what? In your career. (laughs) How do you stay motivated in your career to continue to keep going? Well, I love to create. It's just I have to create. And I don't have any limitation on how I create. So I paint. I generally make my opening night presents. You know, I have things that I make. I write. I write scripts. I write essays. I have four children, which to me is creation. Mm -hmm. So I am, as long as I'm creating, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I'm not creating, I can get pretty down. So that's really key to me to make sure that I'm always finding an outlet for my expression. And New York is a town where there's artists everywhere. You can be in the middle of some art artistic thing, any and everywhere. I go to the theater four to six times minimum a week to see other people creating and get inspired by that. Yeah. I, I, I try to be around creativity and to create as much and as often as possible. So what would you say something that you must see Right now, is there something that you've seen that you're you're really talking about that you think will inspire someone else that inspired you? Skeleton Crew, yeah, mm-hmm. at Atlantic. Uh, this movie called Room. I've heard I about this. I've never that. heard of it. So bad. Simple little movie inspired me for something I'm writing right now. Mm-hmm. When you see, you know, it used to be 20 years ago when you take a writing class and a screenwriting class, and I have a certificate in filmmaking that um, they would say, you cannot write a screenplay about internal life. It's not possible. The film film cannot show that. But filmmakers now have found ways where they are finding images that reflect inner life. And that movie Room is very much about that. And I think that for us as black people, when we start telling the stories of our inner life, Mm. you know, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. You know, because it's that perspective that we don't really talk about. No, we don't. We don't. So, oh, go ahead. We make comedy out of it. We make comedy out of it, which is how we stay alive. I mean, we laugh through it. That's how we we stay alive. Absolutely. That's survival method, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Another question from Sean Maurice Lynch. He wants to know how much has the glass ceiling been broken for actors of color on Broadway since your Tony Award winning performance in Jelly's Last Jam? 
I really couldn't say because, you know, I haven't done that much Broadway. I've only done nine Broadway shows. Oh, oh just nine. Just, just, just nine. I mean, if, but that's true. There are people who have done <laughs> lots more. Much. Not, Not that, that many. Much. There's people who have done lots more. What I can say is <clears throat> I think always for the other they're always going to try to have a different standard. I mean, we see it from Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Garner, you know, in Hollywood. Her male you know, lead is getting three times the money she's getting made. So I think that there is always a different standard for anybody that's not a white male. That's this just true. That's just the reality. Yes. There's yeah. always a different standard. And I think depending on who your representatives are, mm-hmm. they can do better for you. And I think that definitely makes a difference because most of the people who are representing us, they're the gatekeepers and they are they're also white guys and white girls. And so you're going to get a better deal if the person you're negotiating with is their friend because they're going to get more out of it. And so there's all those little dynamics. I can tell you some of my experiences along the way, like when I was doing all my children, um, they, you, you sign an exclusive contract. Now, Susan Lucci was doing movies and QVC and da, 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 da. When I was on As the World Turns, that would have been the first one. They would not let me out to do any other shows. I had to turn down about four Miami Vices, lots mm. of Cosby's. They would not, even though I wasn't working very much. And they just exercised their right to say no. Wow. Um, by the time I got to all my children, they still exercised their right to say no. And, and it's a contractual right. Let's be clear. Right. I, I signed a contract that said they had that right. But when I'm looking at my white colleagues doing other things and I'm understand, not understanding why they're exercising that that uh, with me and not with them who are working a lot more than I am. So got to the point at ABC where I had to pay $10,000 back on my contract. Every time I did an outside show, whether that was a workshop for, you know, a couple hundred bucks, I had to give back $10,000 in my contract every time I did a show. Wow. What? That's crazy. That's what I, but was it, was that worth it to you at that particular time? Um, I wasn't working on the, on the show, the soap, I did, you know, so I'm just sitting around twiddling my thumbs. So yeah, it was worth it because I could create, (laughs) it was worth it. Right, right, right. And then this idea of you talking about when you're not creating, you get down. So you need to create. I need to create. And creating has gotten me through every difficult time in my life. You know, if I can be working, I I get through it. That gives me the strength to to get through what I'm going through. Such an experience. Uh, There's another question from Jeray Brian Holder, who told me to tell you hi. Oh, hi. He wants to know, are there any other roles you hope to tackle in the future that might be even bigger than Mother Courage or maybe even Caroline? Mm. Mm. Oh, bigger than Caroline. Mm. I can't think of any right now. I mean, last year in the theater was rough. (laughs) (laughs) It was rough. I'm not thinking about the theater right now. I did just (laughs) read um, Alice Childress's... um, Trouble in Mind, mm. such a powerful play. Really, uh, st- it was so disturbing because basically she was writing about exactly what I just went through, but sixty years ago. Wow! Oh. And it was like, you know what? I just live this. I, 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 I can't go do it. It was at the Guthrie, and it was like it's one of the theaters on my list. You know, I want to work at. Mm-hmm. It was so unsettling <laughs> and so disturbing, and that sixty years later, still the same, same, same story. Mm-hmm. So, t- so, okay, so tell us about what made you come to the um, conclusion of creating Black Perspectives Matter. The, I know the experience as a whole, but what 
specifically why that particular phrase, why perspectives? Um, because we see black people all the time. You know, we're, we're on television, we're on stage, we're in the white house. We see black people, but we rarely see black perspectives. You get it from Spike Lee. You know, he gives it to us full on. Um, even one of my favorite shows, Survivor's Remorse, which is kind of mm. a LeBron James story. They get it right a lot. But, you know, when I look and I go, oh, my God, the whole team is they're white guys. You know, you go, wow, what is that? Um, what would a show I'm interested to see Issa Rae's show, you know, what is her team like? What mm-hmm. what is a show where we are uh, running it? Was the Cosby show that? I don't know. You know, I only did that show once, but certainly that was a perspective we hadn't seen at the time. Right. right. But it doesn't encompass all our perspectives. And I guess the question I have is, what would it be like if we made something that was like what we talked to each other about? Mm-hmm. Or if we dared to actually talk to white people that we work with the way we talk to each other, which I do. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) How does that go? (laughs) Um, You know, it can be uncomfortable sometimes. But, you know, when I say to them, like, I'm making you uncomfortable. Well, I'm uncomfortable all day, every day. So you Mm -hmm. you get to be uncomfortable for five minutes listening to me tell you something. Deal with it. So have you seen Blackish at all? I haven't. You haven't? Okay. That's, I'm that's not a comedy that... girl. I'm into like the trauma, tragedy, <laughs> mystery, <laughs> detective kind of thing. Yeah. Survivor's Remorse was my kind of comedy because it just was like my life. I just, that boy, you know, trying to save everybody he ever knew and all the messes he got in trying to help people, how mm. no good deed goes unpunished. I, I could relate to that. That's that's my kind of humor. I need <laughs> to check it out. Black yeah. humor. Dark, yeah. Dark. I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. I need to check my it out. My kind of humor too. So what? So what's what's next now that Mother Courage is? I mean, it's in its final week with with Keisha Lewis. Do you do you feel any way about her taking the role? I mean, because she obviously said, you know, I got to work. Mm. Exactly, I got to work. Yeah, I, so. She's a lovely, lovely woman, and you know, I wish her well. Mm-hmm. And she might be exactly what the show needed. I was not. Right, understandable. Uh, so what's what's happening next for you? I've had a really great uh, time in TV and film this year. This sort of the opposite of what I had on stage. Um, I got to work with Ava DuVernay on For Justice this year. It was the first time in my career that I had a hair and makeup and lighting test before they started shooting me. What an incredible thing that was. And she is a goddess. So what happened with that show? That was with uh, Anika Nani Rose and Coleman Domingo. Yeah. What happened with that? It just just didn't get picked up? Uh, NBC said it was too real, not entertaining. Oh, wow. So we'll never see that. Too real. Yeah. Is there any type of like, pilot or anything floating around no no didn't get picked up it's around no no they didn't even they're not gonna play not gonna show it i mean she had the the police and the tanks and all of that oh my god yeah Yeah, she she did it she's a beast it was yeah she is she is um so that was incredible shout out to ava shout out to ava (laughs) yeah she is a goddess and then i got to work with um bridget carpenter who executive produced friday night lights Okay, great job. Uh, Extraordinary, powerful Hollywood woman. And she uh, executive produced 112263, which is Stephen King's novel about a man who goes back in time to stop the assassination of President Kennedy. 
And she said to me, I, you know, the book really only has black people as like, you know, the shine boy and this and that. And she said, I just couldn't see doing a, a miniseries and not having a black person in a, in a, in a role. Right. And she said she went to Stephen King and said, I'd like to take Ms. Mimi, who is kind of a really good friend to the lead uh, character who's played by James Franco. He said, she said, I'd like to make, make her black. And Stephen King said, yes. And so I got to play Mimi Corcoran uh, in 112263. And instead of just like sticking a black woman in there, she had her writers write to what would be the situations of a black woman in 1963 segregated Texas. And a man coming from the present, coming back, what would be the awkward situations that would happen? They wrote to the fact that they had made a decision to put a black actress in the room. Wow. That's amazing. So that was incredible. And then I uh, worked with Colin Trevorrow, who just directed Jurassic World and is doing the next Star Wars. And what an incredible director he is. He really taught me a lot about acting for the camera for the different sizes of the lens. I mean, working with him was a, a master class in, in working on camera. And, and then he would always give every actor a take that was just their own. Oh, wow. um, once again, I, a predominantly white film, but they cast me in a, in a major role wow. in, in that film. And the writer, Greg Hurwitz, uh, they were a great group of people. And then they kept trying to find more ways to put me in more places, you know, where they hadn't written me in. <laughs> And uh, now I'm doing a recurring arc on Gotham, which Ooh. was a role that there were women of every every race there yes. for that part. So it wasn't written as a black woman. And uh, so I just get to go mm. in and be uh, this wonderful villain, villainous. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Cool. Hearing uh, you speak of all of these amazing things in the pipeline and opportunities, I'm very curious, being actors of the stage and screen, what would you say is the difference with the two mediums, if there even is a difference for you? Let me answer that. I want to talk about two other films I did, though, first, because oh. I did a film with Frances Bodomo, uh-huh. um, a short with her that's going to open South by Southwest. And she's like, I think, voted one of the top filmmakers to be independent young mm-hmm. filmmakers to look at. And then I did a film with Chelsea Odofu, who's got Inu Oru, which is another amazing film that uh, I'm very proud of. And then this other film I did called Aardvark. Um, Brian, gosh, what is his name? I'm going to have to find it to say his name, but Zach Kinto, producer, star, Neil Dotson, Brian Shove. I'm not remembering it, but he said to me after he had, had, uh, we shot the film. He said, you know, I read an interview that you did when you were doing Rashida speaking. And you said, why, when the breakdown says homeless person, it says black. And he looked at his script and he saw that it had a homeless person who was black. (laughs) And so he made that a white woman and he cast me as the patrician woman who held the book club in her home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are people out there who listen and who are, are, who are hearing and they're like, Oh, I wasn't aware. Let me try to do something different. So I think it makes a difference. The difference in film and TV, and I've just been learning it. You always hear that um, the camera reads your thoughts, but it's so hard to trust that. Mm-hmm. And and especially when you, you do the stage and you get to use all of this. I remember lots of times when I've been working on the stage and I'd go do 
uh, film auditions, I would be terrible because I'd be doing it at the level that I would do a film. And of course I wouldn't get that. I'd feel great afterwards. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you let it all out. Yeah, but right? I wouldn't get those jobs. Um, what Colin taught me, he was like, Naomi Watts is in this film. And he was like, Naomi and I are working at a one, a two, and a three. And like a one is like, you feel it inside you. And then a two is like, we start to see a little of it in your face. And then a three is like the tears pour. Mm. So each of those levels represented a different size of the lens. Mm -hmm. Because as the lens is coming in, the performance has to change for what the lens is seeing. And that's really hard because as an actor on film, usually I want to just do the whole performance every time. And if you're the, you know, a supporting person, they're going to shoot your close-ups first. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be ready for that close-up performance first. And I remember Colin talked me through my close-up. And he was like, I don't want to see your face move at all. Think it. Go through the whole story. Just think it. Just think it. And that is enough. And there's a wonderful book called called, uh, Audition for Your Career, Not the Job, that gives all these little tips on what to be thinking and how to uh, train yourself so that you have a lot of knowledge in your mind for the camera to be reading. Like the camera reads everything you know, and you don't have to do anything except think a thought. And the camera picks it up. And so I even practiced it with people. Like I would just look at somebody and go, you know, can you tell what I'm thinking? And people could get it. (laughs) And so as I've started doing that, you know, I'm starting to get the kind of response that you usually only get on stage where people come up to me and they go, I like that. You know, just the guys on the set, you know, that they saw Mm -hmm. the work. It's, it's, it's really, wow. You're just thinking it. That's, (laughs) (laughs) that's like. Powerful and, yeah. and weird at the same time. Right? Yes. It's all in your eyes. It's still, it's all in the thoughts and in the eyes. Wow. That must be maddening for a theater actor. <laughs> well, now that I know what it is, it reminds me of Caroline because Caroline was so still. Mm. And it's like, it's kind of that, that stillness for the camera, you know? Beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I've That's just gotten my entire life okay. from you, Miss Pinkins. I like really do. Right, now. right, like this I was just, a spiritual experience. It was. Yes. So I thank you. Thank you. I think thank it was. Thank you. I didn't. I don't know what to. I didn't know what to expect. Um, but I'm just. I'm just overjoyed and grateful. Yes, well, thank you. That's, That's the word. Pleasure. Grateful. Yeah, grateful. It's because it's it just you know. Because I mean, we've been talking about doing this interview. You know, since I reached out to you, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh my goodness, we're gonna have Tanya Pinkins," right. and it just—I think that this is gonna give people a, a totally different perspective because we listened to some other things that you've talked about too, and mm-hmm. some people just weren't listening. I have to go back and listen to it again myself. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, we're just gonna wrap up a little bit. We still remember our, our Broadway Black Book Club? It is the Color Purple. Have you seen the Color Purple on yes, Broadway? Yes, I've seen it twice. I'm seeing it a third time this month. All oh right. my God, isn't it so good? Yeah. I oh, thought I, I was pleasantly surprised. I keep saying it, but it's so stripped down and bare. It's just really mm. about that story. And that's Cynthia Erivo oh. and Danielle Brooks and Jakina Calacango and Jennifer Hudson. They are Isaiah Johnson. They are all 
just working. Yes. Yeah, mm. So we're putting it out to the universe. Tanya's helping us with all those names we want mm-hmm. to have on our Put it show. Into the universe. Yes. We want to have one of them on the show when we talk about the Claim book it. and talk yes. about the script and the amazing revival of it. So mm-hmm. make sure you see it. Make sure you grab the book, read it read with it. us. Um, also, Broadway Con is happening this weekend. Come out to Broadway Black's diversity panel. It's a brand new day. Um, I'll be moderating that panel. It is going to be at the Hilton Midtown in New York City, January 22nd through the 24th. Um, anything else we're forgetting? Anything else we want to I want to say watch 112263, which airs on Hulu February 15th. Yes. And then when Gotham picks back up in February as well. I think February 12th, yes. Gotham picks back up. Watch the them. Yes. Watch yes. them. Watch I'm them. I'm excited about that. that. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much once again, Ms. Pinkins. This is Andrew Shane. Fair Lopez. And this is Donye Love. And you've been listening to Off Book. Deuces. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Caught between the devil and the muddy brown sea. That money, that money, that money reach in and spin me about. My hate rise up, rip my insides out. My madness rise up in a fury so wild and I let myself go. Spoke my hate to a child. Penny's done that. Penny's done that. Pocket change. Pocket change, change me. Pocket change, change me. Can't afford loose change. Can't afford change. Change is a danger for a woman like me. Trapped between the devil and the muddy brown sea. I gotta get back to the way that I've been. God, drag me back to that basement again. Don't know what I said to that little boy. Always days when people who hold their head high getting through. I can't. Ain't never been no good finding joy the way you should. Hoping for a turn to wine, hope's fine, ah, hope's fine, hope's fine. Jelly turned to mud and stumbled toward school at night. Stumbled hard for civil rights, and I don't, I ain't got the heart. I can't hardly breathe. Some folks do all kind of things. And black folks someday will live like kings. And someday sunshine shine on ocean. It's true. It be that way. But not for me. This is so true. Y'all can't do what I can do. Y'all strong, but y'all not strong like me.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.